1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. This
2: is Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Welcome to United Hour, your official Red Cafe podcast for all things Manchester United. I'm your host,
3: Nick. And I'm Jimmy.
2: Yeah, it seems like ages since we've last been here. Uh, that f- international break is finally over, back into the proper Premier League stuff. Uh, we will, of course, be talking today about the Brighton game. Uh, we didn't make it easy on ourselves as usual, and but still come out with the three points was the important thing. Uh, just wanted to give a quick mention before we get into the match stuff about uh, our theme tune because we'd had a few questions about it on red cafe and from some of the listeners uh, you might have noticed that the theme tune that we've had for years and years has disappeared and just to say that is down to spotify and youtube who've been hassling us about copyright and stuff like that um and yeah we've had to change it basically so yeah dave our editing guy came up with a nice new snazzy bit of music which I like because it's a bit of a throwback to kind of Manchester baggy uh, 90s soundtrack back there and we've thrown in a bit of new commentary as well but yeah, if you have any feedback about that let us know because we have cut down the thing and got rid of some of the classic commentary but we can put that back in if everybody liked it but yeah, give us a shout if there's any feedback on the theme tune but uh, yeah, blame Spotify, blame YouTube they didn't like what we were doing and yeah, for any a couple of people did ask, the music was... Um, sissy strut by the meters that has disappeared. Anyway, back to the more important things about football and Manchester United. Like I say, been way too long since uh, we've played a match. And yeah, last time out, Jamie, I think you were on the pod, I wasn't. And obviously, we lost to Leicester City. So then to have to wait two weeks to play again
3: it's felt like a lifetime, right? Yeah, it's always a kick in the teeth when you go into a international break having lost the last game. I mean, the international breaks seem to take ages, anyway. But when you go into one off the back of a defeat, it just seems to to last extra long, doesn't it? You kind of sit and stew over the result, over the performance, for much longer than you normally would like to. Um, but yeah, it was just good. It was just great to have football back on.
2: I took like very little interest in this international break, like you know, England. I keep half an eye on it, but I was barely bothered. Uh, I know, I'm sure you were more avidly watching the Scots, right?
3: Yeah, um, a mixed international break, to say the least. Um, The Austria game, to be honest, I expected more of Austria. I know they're meant to be pretty good in terms of the rankings. They've got some good players and that certainly was the case, but I did expect more from them and I was actually slightly disappointed that we drew 2-2 with them. I thought they were there for the taking a wee bit. And the Israel game, again, was just one of those games you come away from it thinking we should have done a little bit better there. But five points, second in the qualifying at the moment. Um, obviously, we've got the Euros to look forward to, which is fantastic. But going into the next round of qualifying games in September, I think we've got our work cut out for us. We're away at Austria, we're away at Denmark. So, yeah, five points isn't bad, but it could be better. Um, from a United point of view, McTominay was... Excellent pretty much through all three games. He got man of the match against Austria. Um, he just dictated the play really well. Helped get us on the front foot. Just was a really strong presence in midfield. The Israel game was a bit difficult. Just I think that was more down to the team in the first half. But the second half, he really stepped up. And then against the Faroe Islands, he was just moved back into defence. But again, a nice composed Strong showing from him. So All right.
2: Yeah. I didn't know he'd gone back in defence. I thought he was just now playing back in midfield. So it was interesting to hear he's had a stint at defence. But yeah, I think a few people when they saw the lineup today We're semi-surprised that he wasn't playing because everybody kind of expects McFred nowadays. But I think he'd played like one of the most international minutes of any of our players in this break. So, yeah, it wasn't a surprise to me at all. And the team kind of came out exactly as I thought we were going to have. I think the only kind of pre-match talking point was, was Ole going to stick with Henderson or was he going to bring back De Gea? Uh, I mean, I know we had this chat uh, last month and um, I think it was Colm and Imran both said, look, we expect him to stay loyal to De Gea. And that he'll come back in. Uh, I was saying I really hoped he didn't, and that this was the time to switch to Henderson. And it looks like Ole has made that move, that uh, Henderson is now firmly in possession of that number one starting shot. Um, but yeah, look, De Gea is still going to get matches as well, and I uh, wouldn't be surprised at all for him to play Europa League come midweek. But yeah, that's the kind of switch, because earlier in the season, of course, De Gea started all the league matches, and Henderson was the copkeeper. And to kind of make that switch towards the end of the season, yeah, it seems like the right timing. And uh, let's see how it goes there. Um, the, you know, most of our players were obviously away on international duty. Not all of them had matches. There were some players who should have been totally fresh, though. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Fred Cavani of the players who started were players who were not going away. And then, obviously, Mason and Marcus were selected but ended up coming back uh, due to injuries. And, yeah, obviously benefited from having that time off because there are two scorers today. So it can't really be a coincidence. But, you know, yet again, and we've had that so many times this season, we go in at halftime, just saying it was awful. We're behind. and But yeah, yeah. again, we actually end up coming out with the three points. I mean, it is just ridiculous how many times we've done that now this season. You know, it, it was earlier in the season. It was always the away matches that we'd go behind away and then still come back for it. And I was a little bit worried at this one because um, they actually threw out the stat that in the three matches before at Old Trafford that we went behind first this season, we lost them all. Yeah. So this is actually the first time we've gone behind at Old Trafford and come back for the win. Uh, so yeah, you know, kind of mentally and just for those kind of stats, it is really quite an important one to come back from. But and it is quite ridiculous how many matches we've had to come back in this season. I think something they said throughout something like twenty-five points we've actually won from losing positions. And, uh, you may coincidentally, or maybe not ironically, Brighton have lost the most points from winning <laughs> positions this season. Uh, so, yeah, maybe this was just obviously meant to be. Um, I mean, yeah, what was your kind of takeaway from the game, uh, like I said, I know we had a few people join us in the Discord today uh, from our Patreon, which is good. But I know you and a couple of others always like to be on there. And often, like I say, the first half is just like moaning, moaning, moaning. And I don't blame you because it was pretty awful
3: yet again. See, I-, I wasn't really moaning after like 10 minutes though, because I-, I-, I immediately put in after like the first two three minutes, like, look, this is this is more than a decent start, we're on the front foot, we're pressing them high, we're keeping the ball. I think at one point, right at the start, when I was checking on my phone, just uh, on the stats in terms of possession, because they said Brighton had hardly touched the ball, the possession was as high as I think it was 75 or 80% to us. Okay, it was only in the first 10 minutes of the game, but still, we were restricting them to very, very little. Greenwood hits the post pretty early on, okay, it's the outside of the post, but we were still just looked to be getting on right on the front foot and getting right up against them. So I thought it was a good start. It was just yet again to to concede a goal and, and it's, fall apart is probably not the right term, but to concede a goal and you just and, and the team just loses its way and and everything just goes down. The passing goes down. The intensity goes down. The decision making at times is, is woeful. Um. It, it, and I know it's impressive that we've won that many points from losing positions and it's it, it, it's a good show of, of mentality, if you like, that they don't they don't panic over the period of a game because they know they can come back. But it does always seem that it takes us a wee while, after we've conceded, just to get it out of our system, just to try and calm down and go again. We, we can't seem to do it immediately, we always seem to take a wee bit of time, but as has been proven with the stats, we do do it over time. But today, I I was kind of caught between two points. I I was wanting a good performance because, as we've already alluded to, the Leicester defeat right before the start of the international break means you want a good performance, you want a bit of a reaction to that defeat in the FA Cup. But at the same time, I was kind of thinking, well, before the game, I was like, well, does it really matter? Surely all that matters today is just the win. With everybody dropping points yesterday and today, earlier on, it was a massive opportunity just to make, not make sure quite yet, but certainly be almost there of making sure of top four, possibly even second place. Um, So it it was just frustrating at halftime to see that the result wasn't going our way. Brighton were actually playing quite well and, and causing us a few issues to say the least, so it was—it was just really frustrating. At halftime, you see, the score wasn't in our favour, and the performance absolutely wasn't in our favour as well. So coming out of half time you just knew it was there was going to have to be a massive performance second half because, as I say, Brighton were actually playing well at that point as well.
2: Yeah, they were. They absolutely deserved it. They'd had as even though, like you say, we had the lion's share of the possession. And it was pretty much Brighton's first attack that they scored off. Yeah. But yeah, maybe it's was meant to be that Welbeck comes in there and scores. I mean, uh, who do you blame for that goal? thought Aaron Wan-Bissaka was a bit kind of asleep there and should really be a bit more aware. I mean, it is a good cross. It is a good header, but it's still one that can be defended. I mean, you're like Welbeck's coming through Wan-Bissaka and Lindelof. I mean, for me, there's more kind of blame to Wan-Bissaka for that one. Uh, and as I say, he's a player who has no excuses because he's had two full weeks off uh, not having been selected for England. So, yeah, he's one of the kind of few who was in there who wasn't injured at all and will have had two full weeks of just training to get ready for this game and so yeah no excuses from him yeah
3: I agree Um, I felt we we conceded possession very cheaply in the midfield at the start of that move where it looked like the ref maybe got in the way of Fred but however it happened Pogba lays the ball off looking for Fred it doesn't happen Brighton won the ball so it was a turnover a possession that was very cheap they worked the ball out wide um, and I think just from that point, it is, it is a good cross. I don't think you can take anything away from the cross. And for me, it is fault. He's far too static. He can see exactly where Welbeck is for the for the entirety of that cross coming in. Welbeck just wants it a lot more than him, doesn't he? He just comes steaming in. He just knows he wants to meet that ball a lot more than wan and wants to clear the ball. He gets really high over over him heads the ball down. Henderson actually makes a pretty good save. He's just really unlucky that the deflection after he saves it just more or less takes it straight back to Danny Welbeck and he puts it in. But I absolutely think, yeah, it's Wambasaka's fault for me. He just doesn't read at all what's going to happen. And as I said, he didn't want it anywhere near as much as Danny Welbeck wanted to meet that ball. Totally.
2: And uh, we had the, actually the great stat that
3: uh, Nuff Cutts, one of our listeners who joined us
2: on the Discord Match Day chat, said that Welbet became one of only, I think, three players, was it, or was it four, who scored against us for two different clubs. Uh, you know, one of our ex-players. We hadn't quite actually worked out who those other players were, but one of them was uh, Keith Gillespie, who actually scored against us for three different clubs after leaving us. I remembered his goal against us for Newcastle, but yeah, it was then reminded the yeah, he scored against us for Blackburn and Sheffield United. I can
3: remember the Sheffield United one, actually. Now, now I'm thinking of it, I can remember that Sheffield United goal. That was for, the most recent, yeah, yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, yeah, obviously, yeah, for those who don't remember, Gillespie was the kind of make-weight in Andy Cole's transfer when he came to us. Gillespie went the other way to Newcastle. He was kind of rated, but uh, didn't do much, but always wanted to remind us of his kind of young talents when he came back to us. Uh, if anyone out there knows who's the other one or two players who scored against us for more than one club after leaving us, then yeah, drop us a message, or yeah, we'll research it and throw it out on the Twitter when we get a chance. But yeah, Welbeck, like I said, he did score against us for Arsenal. Obviously, is the other club. Uh, I, I actually remember being quite sad when Welbeck left. I mean, didn't know at, at any time think he was the greatest player. But, um, you know, I'm always sad when academy players kind of leave and always ready to give them a bit more leeway. And he was not the most like kind of gifted player, but always one of those really w- hard working forwards. And it was kind of injury really at the end of it that did him in. That's why he never quite developed. But yeah, it was uh, Louis van Hal let him go as well as several other players. And yeah, for me, I was slightly disappointed at the time. But I think he's always had that kind of bad injury record as he's gone on. So, yes, yeah, why he's moved around kind of club here and there trying to make it happen for him. Um, but, yeah, seems to be doing all right at Brighton now anyway. But yeah, like you say, the main worrying point was that we just didn't get into the game after that. They scored early, gave us plenty of time to get back at them. And we just, we, we created nothing. I mean, we had like half an hour, even more of the half left to kind of get back and get back at them. And that was the really disappointing thing. I mean... Credit to Brighton; they defended well. You can see they're well managed. Their shape is so good, which is actually why it's so like surprising how many points they still do throw away uh, from winning positions. And even but uh, we had no shots on target in that first half, and which is, yeah, I mean, there's just really no excuse for it. I mean, Pogba seemed off it. Bruno seemed off it. And again, you know, both players hadn't played. That many minutes, so it's not like they have any kind of tiredness excuse from the international break. I mean, Bruno was actually suspended for the last Portugal yeah. game, sort of been back in Manchester for more than a week now. Um, Pogba played bits here and there, but he was not somebody who's played like, you know, three, started three matches or anything. So neither of them really had an excuse from tiredness. Uh, you know, I thought our midfield was way off, even though, like I say, all of them have had some kind of rest. Fred, no international duty at all. So I don't know what why you think, what, what, do you think there's any reason there, or just there's a a lot of people who feel that Fred Pogba is not a great combo, uh, and I don't know what you think about that.
3: No, I agree. I, I, I'm just not sure it works at all. Um, after they scored, and and the, what there was a lot wrong with our performance, but I, I can't I can't just keep mentioning it every time I'm on the pod. But far too often, in possession, our passing is atrocious, and. I don't know, it just seems as though we just can't keep the ball in simple areas. I mean, wan okay, he was at fault for the goal, which was bad enough, but the amount of times he was passing the ball straight to Brighton players or or there was a pass he was looking for that just was not on at all, that was indicative of the whole half. Fred was another one like that. It was just like he was getting mugged for the ball far too easily. By the Brighton midfield, they were pressing really high, all the players, but in particular when Fred had the ball, they seemed to be targeting him quite a lot in the first half, getting right up against them quickly and putting pressure on him and winning the ball back. I counted, I think, two times from a throw-in, where I think it was Shaw the first time, and I'm not sure who the second time, but the, th- the throw-in was straight to Fred. Within five seconds, he'd lost the ball because the, Bright- the Brighton players had just pushed right up on him and had I'd identified it yeah, of him and Pogba, he's obviously the weaker at keeping the ball, so they just pushed right up on him and kept winning it back. I just I, I don't think it works at all, and I think a far more suitable midfield combination is either McTominay and Pogba or McTominay and Fred, purely because whenever I see Fred with Pogba, I just I, it just doesn't work. It just seems like there's a lot of issues, and regarding the, the wider context of the performance, it was just frustrating for from Brighton's goal to half-time, just to see that Brighton were hungrier for everything, whether it was snapping into the tackles quicker than we were doing. The amount of times they had a corner, we cleared it, we had a chance to break, but the Brighton players were running back to defend their box faster than we were actually moving the ball. It was literally, it was every time it happened, it didn't happen once or twice, I think it was the four corners or five corners that happened from where they didn't score, the ball was cleared, and there was like six Brighton players legging it past our players to get back and defend the box. We just seemed to be totally just ambling about with the ball, not really making any decisions, not not trying to take the man on. I, it was just a weird, weird performance in the first half. There was just no desire to really try and get forward and, and create chances. Everything was really static and in front of the, of the Brighton defence. I mean, they did play well, Brighton, but we made it so easy for them in the first half. We weren't trying to move players about or anything. And regarding like certain players not playing or having time off, it's just unacceptable for me. As you say, Wan-Bissaka had two weeks off I just I can't excuse most of his performance today just because there is no excuse it. He's a time off. He's at a rest. He's been able to keep training at Man United. He should not be one of the ones that's maybe struggling with fatigue or because he's travelled with an international team. Fred's the same. Um, Pogba, at least you can say with Pogba, will, he was away with France, so he was still playing. That's the only reason I think McTominay didn't play, as you said earlier on as well, is McTominay wasn't playing because he played all three games of Scotland. That's hmm. that, That's it he would be playing for me otherwise. So I just think moving forward, this experiment with Pogba and Fred in the midfield, I just can't see it continuing because it's it's becoming a bit of an issue now.
2: Yeah, it is a, one that's a bit of a problem. And, you know, there is a lot of people who are not happy when we start that McFred partnership, but they are totally on the same wavelength, seem to work well together. We know it lacks creativity and that always becomes a problem. And, you know, people are normally happier when they see Pogba starting and, and, in a kind of central midfield position. Uh, but today, I don't think it was anywhere near his, one of his better games. Um, but yeah, in the, he does actually get an assist on the sheet. Uh, <laughs> although, yeah, I don't think he was particularly looking for that. But yeah, he does get an assist to his name from the match today. But yeah, certainly not a classic from him. The best thing was that, it, and again, this match has so many things that we've talked about from the whole season. I. Right? One, that was sloppy and slow in the first half and end up doing much better in the second half. Two, Bruno, who's just like giving it away, giving it away, doing nothing, but then at the end becomes the absolute pivotal one that ends up winning us three points. Uh, I mean, I just don't know how, how many times we can keep doing that same thing. I mean, surely, I don't know what is said at halftime that is not said at the start of the game. Uh you know, time and time again we see it and then they come out second half, play much better and end up getting, you know, whether it's a draw or a win or whatever, uh getting some points from there. But I just I really don't know what Ole's saying at half time that he doesn't bloody say at the start of the yeah, game. No. it's really just a weird one. And um but yeah like i say time and time again we see this uh you know the real positive from it is obviously that this team mentally will always feel that they're not beaten and always feel that they can come back into the game which is great from the you know mental perspective but you know you would like that now and again we just run out with an easy win and not have to be chasing it uh time and time again from behind
3: no i totally agree um yeah, it absolutely is a good mark of of character of of belief, if you like, that the amount of points we win from losing positions shows that the players clearly feel that even if they go a goal down, they'll come back into it in some manner. But as you say, why does it always seem to take an absolute rocket at half time from the manager just to get the team back to normal and playing again? I, I I just I, I don't understand and today today was a little bit different purely because I, I feel I genuinely feel we this it was only ten minutes old, sure. But the first ten minutes were really good and it's literally Brighton's first attack, the score. So today was a bit of a weird one where they've just scored against the run of play, but then we've just fell apart for thirty minutes. But too many times this season, you're right. We start the game so sluggish. We just invite the other team onto us and allow them to play football and I don't understand why it keeps happening either I just I I don't understand why we can't just go out and be on the front foot we've clearly shown we can do it against Man City at the Etihad we've done it we were excellent for that game and it was right from the off we were right in their faces and we were playing the same way we play in most second halves we played like that for the entire game so we have shown we can do it for the entire game I just don't understand why in certain games, it doesn't happen. Or we we start well, concede, we're then really poor for maybe the rest of the half. Come back in at half time, get a rocket from the manager, go out second half and be much better again. It, surely the players must have it within themselves, you know, just to kind of compose themselves. Even if we do concede a goal against the run of play, just compose themselves immediately. Just go back to doing what you were doing before they scored. Okay, it's more difficult because the other team's going to sit in and try and and make it more difficult for you because they're leading. But that doesn't mean you still just lose the plot totally and just start misplacing passes and letting the overall discipline of the performance go down. I just want to see that composure just stay there, even if we do concede. Because, as I say, the start of the game was all right. What was worrying for me just was... From the goal to half time we were so off it, it was untrue. And yeah, it was much better second half, but it surely shouldn't have to be a rocket from the manager every time we start playing like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, the crazy stat to throw out there is that eight of our last nine goals at Old Trafford have been in the second half.
3: Yeah, that's mental, That I heard that.
2: So what's going on in the first half of our games is very strange thing. I mean, uh, I do remember actually gives me flashback to Louis Van Gaal uh, season where we had some crazy record of not scoring a goal in like the first half for about like 10 home matches in a row or something like that Uh, I don't know what, what it is and of course we've had this earlier in the season where we talked about how our away record was so much better than our home record I mean lately we've done much better in that regard and it's more kind of even but yeah it is still a bit of a thing and yeah some people put it down to covid lack of fans and that kind of thing which yeah definitely does place some kind of impact but uh like i say it's a bit difficult to explain how we still keep doing this coming from behind not doing much first half but doing it in the second half but yeah look like i say in the end we have done it and that's the important thing um you know we always like to maybe have a look at XG as well to see how fair was it and in the end we're at 1.75 Brighton at 1.4 so yeah really suggest that a draw was a fair result and that we've kind of nicked it, uh, you know we are slightly ahead of them, Brighton had a couple of other chances, um, not that many but yeah they did have a couple of other openings.
3: They did have a pretty big one just before half time, um, I don't know who the player was for them but they kind of dropped to one of their players just at the edge of our box from a corner I think and it was just one of those, the guy just had to side fit it back into the far corner and they put it wide. and I kind of messaged our chat just to say that was a massive chance that that that, that should have been 2 0. It was literally the guy just all he has to do is just pass it into the far corner because everybody in our defence and Dean Henderson were just had just been caught still. The guy just had to pass it in, and that was a big chance. That and, and, and uh, Steve Sidwell said after the game that you know, if that one goes in or the chance for Welbeck. Uh, I can't remember what one he was alluding to but there was another chance for Welbeck I remember in the game it could have been a totally different game well it was the Welbeck one was when
2: he's on the break and it was the one that went to VAR
3: yeah that's right kind Yeah, of
2: penalty shout yeah you know they knew, that was when we went 1-1 and we were on the front foot and nearly kind of fell asleep and got caught by them and in fact to be honest I thought that could have gone either way that call uh, you know there was a Bit of a kind of touch from Maguire on Welbeck, definitely. But I think in the end, they just decided it wasn't really enough for him to go down and miss that chance. Um, But yeah, there is some kind of shoulder-to-shoulder contact at least. So yeah, I did have slight worries when that went to VAR, but thankfully... They didn't call that one, and uh, you know we go on for the win. But yeah, look, let's look at that first goal at least. Um, as I say it was seconds after I think uh, yourself and maybe somebody else as well had written saying, "Oh, this game's going nowhere. We'll be lucky to get a draw." And uh, it always seems to be like that. I don't know why that keeps course. happening to me.
3: I don't know why I keep putting this is absolutely rubbish. We're not, you are not, we're not passing with anywhere near enough pace. Uh, we need to try and move their defenders about a bit more I had literally just pressed send and the ball hits the net and I was like I just need to message this chat with negative stuff all the time because yeah, it seems to work exactly.
2: the more negative you are it seems to help us uh... but yeah look I mean it started kind of from a Maguire head out uh, Cavani knocks down and then yeah it's all about kind of Bruno really here's Bruno Fernandes Marcus Rashford 1-1 one, one. I mean, Bruno Fernandes got taken out as well, but brilliant. There's the creativity. There's the choice of pass. Delays it, delays it, delays it. Bruno Fernandes then puts it on a play for Marcus Rashford to open his body up. Doesn't have to have a touch. I mean, Rashford had a very quiet game. I don't think he's looking anywhere near fit. And yeah, he limps off again. So yeah, we have to see how he is for the midweek game. And, you know, there's actually been this story from his kind of camp this week saying that he's not really been 100% fit for the best part of two years now. Uh, you know, it's been mentioned a few times about his shoulder and things like that. And I think he definitely is been constantly playing with some kind of niggles, which really just his kind of amount of goals and assists this season is amazing when you take that into account. Uh, you know, has not had a great game by any stretch. But still, yeah, manages to get the vital goal when we needed it. Um, I think that was a general problem all game today, was that we didn't get enough play down the left-hand side. Uh, You know, we've talked a lot about how much Luke Shaw's come on in his attacking play this season and how much he's been, you know, one of our main kind of creative outlets, even if not directly. Um, You know, he's always getting those kind of pre-assists or being around it somewhere. Uh, I think Brighton and teams have obviously sussed this out and are trying to force us onto the right side where we don't have as much. Uh, but second half, you saw a lot more kind of one-twos between Rashford and Shaw, and it was definitely a focus there. So I think for sure it's something that Ole had said at half-time. We, not, we need to get more on the left side. One-two, Rashford-Shaw, and like, uh, you know, that's where the goals come from in the end, is that left side. Nice finish. And then, yeah, from there, you did feel kind of confident that we could go on to do something. I mean, yeah, Rashford had to come out kind of shortly um, after scoring that one. But I, I hope he is uh, fit because we've got um, Martial is now possibly out till the end of the season. And, you know, he's not had a great season anyway. And that just kind of tops off a generally awful season for him. But if Rashford is struggling, that's going to be a problem. Because, yeah, one that I wanted to talk about is Cavani who is back kind of fit as again, like Martial has had a stop start season due to suspension due to injury. I, I, you know, he's not had a great game today. He's barely been in the game. In fact, he's only, you know, looking at how many touches and all he's only had 17 touches on the ball all game, which is like by, by far the least, even like half of anybody else and just doesn't seem to be on the same wavelength as everybody, you know, earlier in the season, I said, look, it's just going to take him a bit of time to work out how he's going to play with the rest of our attack. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be happening that much for him. Uh, I mean, yeah, what's your kind of feeling on Cavani at this stage in the season? Um,
3: It's totally different to what it was even eight weeks ago. Um, Around about eight weeks ago, ten weeks ago, I was like, yep, this is exactly what we've been missing. Somebody up front who's a focal point, who can bring the ball in, allow others to play off of him. A good presence in the box, because you've seen he scored a couple of headers for us, and even even when he doesn't score, he's just generally a threat in the air, and that's good. But I, I just think continuous injuries, continuous niggles where he's missing games is just really starting to impact him having a run in the team. And today, I mean... I know I know it was difficult for him because he only had 17 touches, but genuinely, that was just a pathetic performance, really. I mean, I know we didn't play well in terms of trying to get the ball into the front, but I always feel if you're going to be doing that as a striker, you need to try and do a bit more to, to affect the play. And even at times when he did kind of go looking for the ball, I counted five times in the first half where either he won the ball or put in a good tackle. And then he just passes either straight out of play or straight back to a Brighton player. The, the, he conceded possession so cheaply. I mean, it wasn't even like he was conceding it because he was looking for a dangerous pass like the way Bruno or Pogba does. It was just in general terms of keeping possession and just trying to play it to somebody. It was just so poor. But I don't want to put too much on it for being anything other than he has started to get a, a, a run of injuries that are keeping him out of games. And at that age, okay, yeah, he's still fit as anything, but I can't see how an older pro won't take a run of games just to get back to normal, if you know what I mean. So I think we might see better of him if he was to play, say, the next two games. And looking at the possible injury to Martial for the end of the season, we don't know how Rashford's going to be come Thursday and next week. Cavani is probably going to get the next two games just purely because the numbers are starting to dwindle a little bit for who we've got available. But in terms of the longer scheme of things, I'm not so sure I would be offering him a deal next year just purely because I'm worried about the amount of injuries he's starting to pick up.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of in more or less agreement with you there. His injury record has been an issue this year and it's also part of the reason why he's not had enough game time to try and get on the same wavelength as everybody At the same time, I find it a bit difficult to blame him for having so little touches in the game yeah I know what you mean it means that you know he's feeding off nothing you know it's the balls aren't coming into yeah. it and is uh, passing you know if he's giving he has giving it away a bit but not really anything too crazy for a centre forward he's at 75% uh, passing accuracy which is pretty normal for kind of centre forward play and we have to actually be fair to him that for our equalising goal it is actually a layoff from him to Bruno uh, and then Bruno does the assist so he has had his kind of vital part in the game there, (laughs) even though like I say, you're just not really seeing enough of him and that is becoming a problem. Um, But I probably as well would say that I will not be that upset if he decides to move on. Uh, There's been a lot of stories saying that maybe
3: He's not
2: he's happy. Homesick yeah. and thinks... It's, I don't think it's about not it's being not, happy. It's not I so much it's not being happy um, Man United. I just yeah, mean he's that... not happy. I think, in fact, too much was made of that. There was a lot of absolute nonsense that went out on Twitter of mistranslations and things like that, of things that had been said, where it was made out that he was like... Well, it was his dad, actually, who did some interview. Yeah. That he was criticising the club or something, and it was all nonsense. Uh, but I think it's more about the fact that maybe he just feels he's at that age now where he's ready to go back to finish his career. Career in South America, be closer to family and stuff like that, which I, I, I don't begrudge somebody at all. Uh, apparently, you know, he nearly did it in the summer already after leaving PSG, but decided to have one more go at uh, to playing top-level football. But, yeah, if he decides to move back and play Argentina, uh, Boca Juniors has been a big link for him, then, yeah, I wouldn't begrudge that at all I think that maybe we do need to be looking at more long-term options And properly, you know, Greenwood is the one that we do want to see playing up front more. Uh, You know, today he moves into that centre-forward position and gets the winning goal. Uh, And great to see a diving header. I know there was some chat, again, in our uh, Patreon Discord about how few times we see diving headers nowadays. Uh, You know, big favourite of somebody. I think somebody in there uh, had said that, yeah, I prefer to see a diving header than an overhead kick.
3: Yeah, I think that was Um, one of the guests on the... uh, the on the discussion, but yeah, I, I know what he means because it is a dying breed of a goal, a diving header and it, it is good just to see a young guy like Greenwood just getting his head on that, good diving header style. I mean, I kind of put it in the chat when I think the RVP won against Spain and you're like, yeah, that's one of the best, but a bit more older than that. I remember one in 2004, it was Henrik Lussen for Sweden scored a diving header and, and when when they come off, they look Brilliant! They do look good. Yeah, and my classic. When I think of diving headers, I immediately picture
2: Mark Hughes diving in for an equalising goal against the Scousers. Uh, I'm not going to guess. Try and guess at what year it was, but yeah, sometime in the nineties. That's what I mean. Those are the classics coming in for those. Yeah, but like you say, it is a bit of a kind of dying art, and uh, I think it's also a part of the fact that that kind of style of centre-forward and all in general yeah. goes missing. You know, so many players are false nines nowadays and wide forwards, and even it seems to be a bit like how we often play. And that kind of proper just, Ole I, I said it before, the break-your-nose centre-forward, the one who's looking just to, to stick his head in anywhere you don't see it that much anymore. And a lot of teams just don't really play to that style. And Cavani is obviously that kind of center forward and maybe we're just not set up to play to his strengths. Uh, So yeah, you know, it will be interesting to see, but yeah, I think we're both kind of in agreement that he's, he's done his part this season and helped us out. And no, all they post-match did actually mention as well, they kind of gave a bit of credit to Edison for Greenwood's goal. And he said, you know, Mason is kind of learning off him on how to do that kind of thing. And, you know, that side of it is brilliant that somebody with so much experience can rub off on the likes of Greenwood and Rashford, who are still obviously young strikers and uh, they can learn from him while he's still around at least. Um, So, yeah, let's see where he goes. His goals
3: output. You know, the world nowadays is so uh, onto stats and assists and goals and this and that, but the boy has played fantastic this the last two or three months he's really matured he's really come on uh, today as well takes the ball well links the ball well takes people on hits a post one is over the bar and if he keeps learning keeps improving he'll score loads of goals we know that he's, he's a lethal finisher but if he scores these goals that'll add another dimension to his game of course it does and I'm very very pleased for him to to get the winner in the in the way that he did. Learning of, uh, from, uh, from Eddington, for example. He's he's one of those strikers who... It's reminding me of the goal against Southampton that he scored and won us the game.
2: So, yeah, look, the main takeaway, of course, from this game is that we've taken the three points. Really important to come back in there. And most important, as we mentioned before, is because of the other results with Leicester losing, Chelsea losing, Spurs drawing. It now puts us nine points ahead of Chelsea in fourth place. 11 points clear of fifth place. I mean, there is West Ham and Everton who have kind of games in hand and could make that less, but we're feeling pretty confident in top four now and also built up a bit of a gap in second place, which is really great because, you know, all season I've always been worried about how the kind of cup runs are going to affect our league form and, you know, making sure that we've solidly finished in Champions League places is obviously the number one priority, but that now is looking quite kind of safe, which means, yeah, Can start really having a proper go at this Europa League. And next up, of course, is Granada. Uh, just before we start talking about Granada, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped. The global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand and the EU. Uh, so head over to manscaped.com and do use our code UNITEDHOUR for 20% off. Uh, Manscaped are also doing a really good collaboration at the moment to promote the Testicular Cancer Society. Uh, one guy every hour of every day is diagnosed with testicular cancer so this is just a reminder to go and check yourself and yeah once a month or something like that is recommended because it's still the most common form of cancer in men aged 15 to 35 so yeah really good initiative from Manscaped to promote that and a cause that we're happy to promote so as I say Manscaped give you those tools for dealing with your down below and while you're down there check out for lumps changes in size or anything like that and if there's any issues get right onto your doctor straight away. Uh, So like I say, yeah, shout out to the Testicular Cancer Society and our sponsors, Manscaped. And uh, go and head over there and check out their stuff. Right, back to their football. And as I say, Granada next up. For their first time, we got a favourable draw, uh, seems like almost this season. Uh, And, you know, this this draw now has a proper Europa League feel about it. I think last round when we played AC Milan, we said, look, this feels like the Champions League. Now we're definitely back to talking about Europa League. I think, uh, you know, most people will barely even know Granada. And in fact, if you're somebody who's grown up in the Northwest like me, it'll remind you only of like the Granada TV channel. Yeah, the television uh, station. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, Granada Studios as well. That was the kind of uh, TV where they have the Coronation Street and stuff like that. It used to be a big attraction in Manchester back in the day, Granada Studios tour, but closed down some years ago. So, yeah. And uh, I think they're turning it into flats or something like that, like they do with everything nowadays. Um, But, uh, yeah, Granada is actually a small town in southern Spain. Uh, Again, a real shame that we're not getting an away following going out there because this is the big high highlight normally of United's away following of the Europa League is to go to some random places that we've never been to Uh, because you know if you're an old school United fan then you've been to places like Rome Milan and you know Madrid you've done all these places so the actual excitement is to end up in bloody I don't know Krasnodar or some bizarre place (laughs) like that and uh, you know when you get somewhere like Granada it's even interesting and uh, I've been out to Granada great place uh, home of the Alhambra which is yeah one of the kind of man-made wonders of the world. Uh, so, yeah, my, that's my bit for promoting the town of Granada. But, yeah, that's probably because we don't know much about the football <laughs> team, to be honest. So I'm finding what else to talk about. Uh, but, yeah, they're not on a good run of form they've lost their last three matches, which actually included going down 2-1 to all these old team Boulder in the second leg of their game. They went through because they won the first leg 2-0, but they have lost their last three on the bounce. So yeah, not in good form. They're a team who've not even been in La Liga, the top division for much of their history, do now have kind of recent Chinese ownership, which has brought a bit more money into the club. And uh, you know, last season was the first time they finished in European places. Obviously going on a great run now. And this against us is basically going to be the biggest match in the history of their football club. Uh, So, you know, whatever down they are in form what small club whatever they're going to be bang up for it because as i say it is like the match of a lifetime for a lot of these players i mean yeah you look down their kind of squad list and there's not a lot of names you will recognize unless you're somebody who's watching la liga on a weekly basis uh, you know there's a couple of players we know who have been in the premier league there's a robert soldado who never hit any kind of form in the Premier League for Spurs and the Brazilian kid Kennedy who kind of showed some skills as a Chelsea youth and then I think he ended up at Newcastle didn't he Uh, he's now a kind of Granada regular but yeah look they're a team who get a lot of plaudits for just putting together a really good squad outperformed and even to be at this stage off the Europa League is big for them but you really would hope that we go and take this and take them apart. I mean, we, we did it to Real Sociedad, who were actually pretty naive against us. And I'm assuming Granada will have learned and know how to look at what happened in that game and won't let us win so easily. But yeah, you are, you are looking for a pretty good first leg win so that hopefully we can even relax in the second leg, really. Yeah, right?
3: definitely. Um, as you say, it was just, it was nice for once to get a bit of a favorable draw. Um, Okay, we don't want to be presuming anything at this stage of a season, but certainly looking at some of the teams left in the Europa League, that was one of the draws that you thought would be very uh, very favourable. And as you say, we've already been to Spain, we played Sociedad, and yes, while they were naive, they're, I would wager, a much better team than Granada. And we played really well against Sociedad, got that very impressive performance, a good win, and allowed us to relax, and kind of what you alluded to before, having such an important result today just allows us to put a bit more emphasis on the Europa League for the next fortnight anyway, whereas if we hadn't won today, you would immediately be thinking, right, that's a chance gone missing, we maybe need to see how this first leg goes before we then determine how we're going to play the following week, whereas now we've put ourselves in a good position to have a really good crack at it, um, I would like to see a much better performance on Thursday, um, I don't think Granada will be quite as naive as Sociedad as you say as well, I think they'll have realised they can't play like the way Sociedad did or the way they normally play, I'm pretty sure we will maybe come up against a team who put plenty of men behind the ball and try not to let us have too much freedom, certainly down the flanks, Um but either way, I I, I I, just want to see a good performance and I want to see a convincing win by three or four again just purely because I would like to see us just be comfortable for a change, go and have a good win in the first leg but then have an important game next week in the league. So it would just allow us a bit more freedom in that game and it would also give us a freedom for the second leg as well if we can just do... What we did against Sociedad to an extent. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm expecting a good win, but I'm also hoping for a good performance.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think three or four would be a dream. I mean, uh, to be honest, for me, any kind of win at least makes us feel pretty comfortable because we're obviously in the away leg. Um, but Granada, even though they're not running too badly in the Liga, they're in ninth place, but they've got a minus 15 goal difference. Yeah. And have like one of the worst defenses in the whole of La Liga um, conceded like more goals than most of pretty much anyone in the whole division. And that includes even the teams right at the bottom in the relegation zone. Um, So, yeah the team from defence definitely needs to be got at uh, you know they've done well by scoring a decent amount of goals but yeah as I say the, when you look at La Liga the amount of goals they've conceded really stands out there's really no excuses for us to be going because you know it is often those teams who can defend really well who we do struggle against a bit Granada yeah. no, are not one of these teams they're porous at the back and we re- you know, we've got to get straight at these guys and like I say hopefully we can put it to bed in the first leg but any kind of win at least helps gives us some confidence uh, we do have that spurs game in the middle of the two matches they of course have no midweek game so we'll have had a full kind of week's rest not Jose's not had a good result, and yet again has thrown his whole team under the <laughs> bus. Uh, I don't know if you saw his uh, oh, post comment. Oh my god! He's just like, I don't know. It's like Groundhog Day with him. It's like, yeah, we've seen all this before. Remember when he first came in? i told like some of my Tottenham sporting mates they were really happy, and he like did all the right things when he first came in, like he did at Old Trafford, yeah. And you start kind of liking the guy, and now they're like, oh my god, get this guy out! Like you know, he's destroying the club and whatever. And yeah, he just can't help he himself, exactly- can he?
3: He just cannot He
2: just doesn't seem to learn from mistakes. But yet again, he's just, like I said, blamed everything on the players, saying not good enough, individual errors. Oh, dear. But yeah, anyway, like I say, I'm still hopeful that Spurs can do something against City in that uh, League Cup final. Because, yeah, people are talking too much about bloody trebles and quadruples and things like that. And that's definitely something we don't want to be seeing. Um, So, yeah, it'll be the one day that I'll hope Jose can come back and do something. Uh, so yeah we'll see from there but yeah we've got the two Granada games Spurs slap bang in the middle and uh, the Europa League now takes on massive importance. Uh, as I said, you know, for me, all the way through, I was really focused on making sure we finished top four because we have struggled to have that Champions League uh, consistency over the years. And that now looks pretty secure. Now, and rightly so, a lot of people are saying, look, if there's real progress, Ole needs to win something. Um, You know, I think really at a minimum, we should be hitting this Europa League final. And then, you know, when you hit a final, it's going to be difficult. But I think probably Ole does need to get past that semi-final hoodoo. Too many people still keep throwing it out there. You know, I always get annoyed at the amount of anti-Ole stuff out there. But it is a legitimate gripe that you know so many semi-finals we've not managed to get through with him and this year in this Europa League it is all falling to a place where he really needs to go that one step further minimum and ideally two steps to really shut up all the doubters Uh, you know there's a lot of talk now about Ole's contract extension should he be getting one? Should he not? I mean, I think I've been pretty clear for a while. My feeling is that he should get a contract extension because I'm happy with how things are going. I think there is progress in the team. Uh, I think the way the squad is building is good. But yeah, he's still just lacking that kind of trophy. I mean, how do you feel about the Ole contract extension? I think
3: uh, for me, I, I just, even the talk about it, I just thought it was a wee bit too early. I, I would have waited until the end of the season, but I think if you finish second and with the result today, the top four is more or less looking secure. We've got a healthy lead on Leicester, which is which is good to see as well. So if you finish second, that's that's good in terms of it's an improvement from last season. I think I read we're 14 points better off at this stage than we were last season as well, which I was more focused on how many points better off we would be at the end of the season but even with still eight games to go 14 points better off is a, is a good indicator that it has been a better season than last um the 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 semi final thing i know what you mean um it wasn't that big a deal for me but the but the more times we're getting to quarter finals and semi finals and then not, not not pushing past that It does become a bit of a concern um, and absolutely agreed that this year, for me, I think we should be making the final. At least a final, you never know what a final, that's the whole point. you know. Anything can happen on any given day, but over two legs, yes, we should absolutely be beating Granada for my money. I can't remember who it is, the other two teams, but I know Ajax is one of them.
2: It's Roma or Ajax, so the next game will be a lot
3: more difficult. That'll be tough. Still
2: get teams that we should beat. But but, I still uh, think, yeah,
3: we should be beating both of them. In terms of over two legs, I think we should beat either of those as well. But again, in a final, you never know. So I would think in the Europa League, we should be making at least the final. But if, if we can finish the season second and win the Europa League, that's a pretty good season. Considering where we yeah, I mean, in if we summer. finish if we finish second and win the Europa League, then
2: I'm sure that'll keep all the doubters quiet. There should can surely be nobody else who's still moaning about Ole out. You know, we still get it on a weekly basis. Yeah. There's people who don't believe in him, and that is why you know to me coming second alone is enough to give him an extension and say, listen, I want to give you a bit more time, another year at least, to see where you can take this squad uh, in the kind of progression. Uh, you know, for me, that's enough alone, but. I would love him to get that. The trophy as well. yeah. Really keep everybody quiet because there's still so many who if we come second will say it's not good enough, which I personally don't agree with totally, but I do understand where they're coming from because, you know, ultimately as a club, we do want to be winning trophies. And, uh, you know, we've now gone the longest period without that. You know, same, there was a lot of focus on those Ole comments a few weeks ago, which again, was something I think was twisted uh, out of what, He kind of really said and spun about him saying that trophies aren't important, but he never said anything like that. He just talked about how league, where you were in the league, probably showed more about how a team was progressing than a cup win. And I actually agree with that. It's something I've kind of said all season. But you do still need silverware, uh, ultimately. You know, we, we don't, we're not going to accept, like, four seasons in a row just finishing top four. Yeah. That is not going to be good enough. Uh, you know, at the moment, like I say, coming two seasons in a row finishing top four is actually better than we've done for a long, long time since Alex Ferguson left. But uh, in the long term, that is not going to be enough. And there has to be some silverware or a proper title challenge in there to be really be happy. So yeah, look, let's see, like I say, the Europa League is going to take on a lot more importance, uh, you know, and for me, I will openly say I was kind of quite ready to write off this tournament a couple of months ago, but now it changes perspective completely because one, we've gone out of the FA cup 2 we're now looking pretty comfortable in that top four. Uh, and that is, the, that's the big difference that, you know, even though you talk, people talk about points and, uh, and whatever, I'm not a big fan of comparing kind of season to season, uh, I know a lot of people do do that, but I think there's always so many differences and so many factors and variables from one year to another. Just simply comparing how many points you have from one year to the next, I actually think is not that interesting. Um, For me, more important is that we've been comfortably kind of top four for a long time. Whereas last season... We only just kind of did it right at the end. And even before seasons, whether it was like, you know, Van Hal, it was like right at the end of the season that he just managed to get that run of games to get us into top four and over the line. And it's always like, you know, in doubt for the whole year. There was that year Mourinho came second. But again, we weren't like comfortably like top four for all that year. And we did in the end make that run to second place. But it's not like this year where we've been, uh, you know, we've been first for a while, second and for a good, the mass majority of the season we've been pretty happy with where we're at that is the kind of difference so when you feel comfortable up there you can then put a bit more onto the cup and yeah for sure Uh, this Europa League needs to go in over there let's see what we can do Granada up and as I say we're all assuming we're getting through this one it will then be Ajax or Roma and then yeah in the final I don't know it could even be Arsenal in the final Uh, they're definitely going to be putting all their eggs in the Europa League basket because they've gone nowhere in the league Uh, so yeah let's see where it goes but yeah for me the takeaway is that The cop becomes important just to shut up all of those Ole doubters. And there is still a lot out there. Every week I see people on Twitter still talking about Ole out, seeing he's not good enough and, uh, you know, not something I agree with. But the only way to change that view of everybody is to win something, really. Um, We will try and come back after Granada. And if we don't, we'll definitely be back after Jose's uh, Spurs game. We're confident for that game. And then Tottenham, you never know. (laughs) Playing... Jose is always a difficult one right yeah and he's I think he always still sees us as somebody he wants to get one over and we do need to get some kind of retribution for that awful awful result at the start of the season uh I still feel that you know not enough was made of Martial getting sent off uh unnecessarily and you know we talk about how bad Martial's season came and I really think that it all like went downhill from that day he got sent off and it just his whole season's been a write-off from that day really uh um, but yeah, we we need to get one back on Jose for that day, for sure.
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know. Is, is that, the more I think about it, I agree with what you've said on a few different pods that you just see, looking back at like highlights of that game and games from the start of the season against Palace, against Brighton, even against Arsenal, not having the pre-season absolutely killed us, playing right into the end of August... Hardly giving the players a break. They then come back. We start the league season later than Spurs themselves. And then you could just see we, we really struggled for a couple of games at the start of the season to get any sort of rhythm. As you say, Martial gets sent off. And that probably has affected this season because he's just not hit the ground running at any point this season. It's been so stop-start between injuries, form what have you, it's just been really difficult for him and yeah, more than anything just to kind of show that that 6-1 was just a complete one-off, it would be brilliant to get a result on Sunday against Spurs, I, I really hope we win on Sunday
2: so yeah, we'll definitely be back after that game and you may well hear us after Granada. It's always always kind of difficult for us to record. You get those late midweek games and uh, trying to record and get it turned around before the weekend. But yeah, we are trying and I hope everybody appreciates that we have been doing a lot more output this season. Uh, shout out again do please go and hit us up on the Twitter, on Instagram, our our main two kind of social media. Uh, I've mentioned a couple of times the Matchday Discord, which is there for our Patreon backers. So, yeah, if you want to get involved in that, it's only like a quid or a dollar or a euro or whatever uh, a month, and you can come and join us in our Matchday chat over on Discord, and you will also get some extra content by the end of this month over there. We also
3: have the Instagram account, so if you guys want to listen to little clips or see some of the quotes that David's been putting out on the Instagram page, check out United Hour Instagram as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. Traditionally, Twitter's always been our main kind of social media. But yeah, we have done a little bit to focus on Instagram this year. We do also have YouTube and Facebook, but they're ones that we've not spent a lot of time on. And maybe it's something we need to spend a bit more time on. One day, one day you might see us come on video on YouTube. It's something we've talked about a lot and never got round to doing, but I think one day we will reveal ourselves. <laughs> Although actually, yeah, if you go and check out our new kind of homepage over on the sports social page, uh, Website, you can see some of our pictures over there if you've wondered what we all look like. And there is currently some good work being done by friend of the show Damien, who's putting together a brand new website which will be found at unitedhour.com. And you'll see, yeah, all even some of the guests and everything who've come on recently will be throwing some face pics on there. So, yeah, go and check out over there and you can decide whether we have faces for radio and you'd rather not <laughs> see us on YouTube or uh, we can be back over there. Uh, yeah, I think uh, that's enough plugging of various things for now, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will see you back next week. Good
3: night from me. Good night, trips.